In Iran today, the perpetrators of crimes against humanity are sitting at the highest levels of government. Ibrahim Raisi, the regime's deputy prosecutor general at the time, and one of the key members of the Death Commission ordering the massacre of 30,000 political prisoners in 1988, is now the regime's president. This came as a great shock to Iranian families and provoked an international outcry. As Amnesty International Secretary General said, that Ibrahim Raisi has risen to the presidency instead of being investigated for the crimes against humanity of murder, enforced disappearance and torture is a grim reminder that impunity reigns supreme in Iran. The Iranian authorities' systematic concealment of the fate of victims and the whereabouts of their bodies amounts to ongoing crimes against humanity. Hello and welcome everyone to another NCRI Women's Committee podcast. Today, on the anniversary of the massacre of 30,000 political prisoners in Iran, in the summer of 1988, we're going to discuss how the genocide impacted Iranian women. There's far too many aspects about the 1988 massacre to cover for our listeners, but I want to narrow it down to why such a horrific crime took place. The Mullah's supreme leader at the time, Khomeini, carried out the massacre of anyone with ties to the Iranian opposition movement, the People's Mujahideen Organization of Iran, or the PMOI. In a despicable handwritten decree, he wrote, anyone who at any stage is insistent on their support for the PMOI is condemned to death. So these 30,000 men and women were executed simply because they opposed Khomeini and his religious rule? Yes, the vast majority of the victims were members and supporters of the PMI, which is also referred to as MEK in recent years. Prisoners were hanged in groups of 10 to 15 at a time and transported out of prison by dump trucks and buried in unmarked mass graves. There was no mercy on anyone, even young girls and pregnant women. Khomeini's haste to execute was so abhorrent that many of his closest confidants expressed doubts about it. Just to make a quick recap, so we're talking about a massacre committed on a national scale. Do we have knowledge of how it all began? Well, based on testimonies of former political prisoners who somehow managed to escape their death, preparations for the massacre started in the fall of 1987 and winter of 1988 by classifying and segregating the prisoners. By March 1988, it was still not clear to anyone why the prisoners were being classified and relocated from one prison to the other. Although the prisoners had first-hand experience of torture and mistreatment by the prison guards, it didn't occur to any of them that they might be massacred. The massacre officially began on the 19th of July 1988. Many prisoners were moved from general wards to solitary confinement. On the 27th of July, it was announced that there will be no prison visits for two months and that the prisoners' families should not come to see their children. On the morning of the 28th of July, 
the Death Commission officially began its work in Evin Prison, questioning the prisoners. Ibrahim Raisi, the Mullah's current president, was a member of this commission. The same happened in other prisoners across the country. Based on the information collected by the Iranian resistance, the massacre was carried out in at least 110 cities. When did the massacre of women start? Do we have any details? Uh, the available reports indicate that in most prisons, no one survived from the women's wards. Uh, one of the witnesses of the massacre in Tehran's Evin prison said from the three wards that held around 250 women, only half a ward had survived who were mostly Marxists. Another survivor said from the female prisoners confined in five closed-door rooms in Evin, only one had survived. So, there's very little information left on the number and identities of women and how they were executed during the 1988 massacre. But there is some information which I can share with you. The first series of women were executed on the 20th of July 1988. On that day, according to reliable information, at least five female prisoners were moved out from Elam prison. Elam province lies by the central western Iranian borders. Later, it was found that the five women had been taken to a hilltop and executed by firing squads. There are other reports from Evin prison in Tehran. This information says that prison authorities summoned about 24 female prisoners from War II on the 27th of July 1988 to be questioned. More women were called from Ward 3. The prisoners returned a few hours later and said that they had been asked repeated questions about their political positions and the duration of their prison time. They mentioned seeing an automatic rifle installed right across from the door. At 11 p.m., the names of four female prisoners were announced from the ward's loudspeaker and guards subsequently came for them. At midnight, more prisoners were taken away from solitary confinement. Nobody knew what was going on yet, but they never came back. Unbelievable. So uh, there were signs of the massacre, but nobody knew exactly what was taking place and what Khomeini had planned. Exactly. Survivors have even documented physically unable women who were taken for execution. For example, Tayyib Khosrowadi was paralyzed at birth. Zahra Bijaniyar's vision had been severely impaired due to the blows of cables to her head. Leila Dashti had a brain tumor. On the morning of Thursday, the 28th of July, 1988, after the death commission began its work in Avin prison, a number of women were hanged. On Thursday, the 4th of August, 1988, Malihar Vomi was executed in Evin, and we have reports on the execution of two women in Esfahan prison on the same day. There was an audio file disclosed in 2016 of recorded statements by Hussein Ali Montezeri, who was Khomeini's heir at the time. Please tell us about that. 
the audio recording is of a meeting between members of the Death Commission with Mr. Montazeri on the 15th of August, 1988. That's right in the middle of the massacre. You can hear in this recording a Death Commission member telling Montazeri that there were about 20 or so people around 16 or 17 years old at the time of arrest and detention, and now they were 20 or 24 years old. You can also hear in this audio about the execution of a 15-year-old girl who had been taken to prison to break her brother. When she refused to denounce her executed brother, she was executed as well. Uh, the tape also includes a reference to the execution of a pregnant woman in Esfahan. In this recording, Montazeri tells the Death Commission, in my opinion, the biggest crime committed under the Islamic Republic, for which we will be condemned by history, has been committed at your hands. Your names will appear amongst those of the criminals in history. You mean to tell me that Khomeini had been warned by the person he most trusted, yet he continued to wipe out the political prisoners? Yeah, that's true. Of course, uh, for this warning, Khomeini ousted Montazeri from his position. Because in a famous letter to Khomeini, Montazeri wrote, and I quote, If you probably insist on your decision, at least order the death commission to base their rulings on unanimous vote, not that of the majority. And women should also be made exceptions, especially women who have children. And finally, the execution of several thousand people in several days will backfire. End of quote. I'd like to emphasize that the overall picture of the 1988 massacre is totally inadequate, because in most cases there was no survivor. The regime also dealt with every information regarding the massacre as top secret and did not allow any leaks. But we know from the evidence that the massacre was carried out extensively in prisons all across the country. This has been corroborated by Amnesty International and other international human rights organizations as well. seen pictures of Furzan Abdi, the women's national volleyball team player. She was taken for execution too. Yes, it's been the price of freedom the Iranian people have willingly paid and will continue to pay until Iran is free. I'd like to share the names of some other women who were highly educated. Huriye Beheshti Tabar had two master's degrees and one bachelor's degree from Tehran universities. Parvin Hairi was a graduate student of linguistics from Tehran University. Razia Ayatollah Zadeh Shirazi was a physics student. Dr. Shurangiz Karimian was a medical student. Fazilat Alome was a student of electrical engineering. Azam Taqdare was a student of chemical engineering at the School of Science and Technology in Tehran. And Mariam Golzadeh Ghafouri and Fariba Omumi were students of math at Tehran University.
What about mothers? Can you explain a bit about mothers who were executed? Well, um, one shining figure cherished by every single person in the resistance is Monir Rajavi. She was a mother of two young girls and executed simply for being the sister of Masud Rajavi, the PMI leader. She was uh, his younger sister and had no part in any political activity. She served six years in prison before being executed. She stands as a symbol of innocence of the victims of the 1988 massacre. There was also Ashraf Ahmadi, a political prisoner from the Shah's time, with four children. Other mothers included PMY's candidates for parliamentary elections in Shiraz and Esfahan. What have been the reactions to this unpunished crime on the international level? Well, uh, Sir Geoffrey Robertson, who's a distinguished barrister and QC, and a former appeal judge at the UN Special Court for Sierra Leone, uh, has described the 1988 massacre of over 30,000 political prisoners in Iran as the worst crime against humanity after the World War II. On the 28th of August 2019, in the lead-up to the International Day of the Victims of Enforced Disappearances, Amnesty International said the 1988 massacre in Iran is, quote, a crisis largely overlooked by the international community for decades, end quote. Amnesty International adds that the deaths of thousands of victims remain unregistered and there are thousands of missing bodies across the country in unmarked mass graves. And finally, on the 9th of December, 2020, the United Nations made public the text of a communication by seven top human rights experts. They called in this letter on the Iranian regime to account on the 1988 massacre of political prisoners in Iran. The UN experts expressed serious concern over the Iranian regime's continued refusal to disclose the faith and whereabouts of thousands of individuals who were reportedly forcibly disappeared and then extrajudicially executed in 1988. So, for the first time in 32 years, the UN recognized the 1988 massacre in Iran as a crime against humanity and called for a thorough and independent investigation into this genocide. Well, there's so much more to talk about concerning the massacre of 30,000 political prisoners in Iran, but we have to cut short. Let me conclude by saying that the Call for Justice movement continues its efforts in search of justice for the masterminds and perpetrators of the 1988 massacre in Iran. Just recently, the movement earned a victory in Sweden, where the court handed down a life sentence for Hamid Nouri, one of the perpetrators of the massacre. The Iranian resistance and the NCRI have vowed to continue until Khamenei, Raisi and other officials of the regime face justice. And finally, I would like to draw your attention to the fact that there are dozens of articles on the 1988 massacre and biographies of dozens of the brave women who were victims of the massacre on the website of the NCRI Women's Committee. We invite you to visit women.ncr-iran.org 
Search for 1988 Massacre and you will see all the information you need. Until the next episode, we wish you happy days.